Welcome to the Bridge of Two Podcast. Welcome to the Bridge of Two Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are here. We are in our podcast chairs. <laughs> Otherwise known as my dining room table chairs. <laughs> don't, don't undercut your dining room you table break chairs. The we, are, we are breaking the immersion. We are ennobling these chairs. We are bestowing nobility on them by doing this noble task of podcasting in them. Fair enough. There you go. <laughs> Fair enough. Anywho, <laughs> you, you're, we are ennobling your ears. <laughs> you this has go, gone down podcast. a weird, we're going down a weird track, Josh. Let's get back on, let's get back on course. Okay, back on course. All right, so yeah, we are back. We've uh, been watching Return of the King, right? Yes. Oh, gosh, I love that movie. So good. So many tears. All of the tears. So many. Remember how I said that there's like very few things like movies or scenes or books that'll like make me tear up. I did. Yeah, I do remember that. Return of the King is one of those. It's it's right now Rhythm of War, mm. Star Wars Episode Three, mm. and Return the of the King. The Trinity of making the, the Jeremiah tr- the tr- tear up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we'll we'll be talking about that later in the episode. We've got um, we got a drink that is. Got a Gandalf-looking figure on the front of it, and we'll talk about that later when we try that out. We're back to the good old mead. Yeah, we got some more of that mead from the meadery. Which I'm... Oh, gosh, the meadery. Not the meadery, but the meadery. Yeah, but it reminds me of meadery again, so I'm thinking we're going to just drink meat. We should try that one time. That should be one of our drinks. We should just blend up meat and drink it. I mean, if if, uh, anyone that makes mead is listening, and you haven't tried making a mead out of meat, you're missing a golden opportunity. Send it to us. We will drink it, even if it gives us <laughs> cancer. I don't know. <laughs> even if it gives us high cholesterol. <laughs> if that's the worst it gives us, I'm even not that if, worried. Even if it's an overdose of potassium or thymine, we'll still drink it. <laughs> or so, magnesium. Magnesium? Is that bad to have too much of? I don't know. I don't think so. I need to know. I mean, I, and too, I much of any, to find too, out. too much of anything is, is bad, Josh. Oh. Uh-oh. I'm in trouble. Like, too much happiness is really bad for you. That's why, you need to stay yeah, that's why I'm in trouble. Exactly. <laughs> I'm so happy all the time. <laughs> you sound it. <laughs> so you can tell. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, yep. <laughs> so. Josh, what have you been up to uh, this past two weeks? Or, yeah, two weeks. Well. Anything interesting? Anything cool? I... Fun? I think on the last episode, I had just finished... Well of Ascension, the yes. second Mistborn book, Well of Ascension. Yeah, I started Hero of Ages, um, the third. The How far into it are you? Not very far. Um, I got, I'm trying to remember, I got past like the opening with, um, Elend in the battle mm. with the town, mm. making people bow the knee. Mm. He's fully embracing, embracing the tyrant. emperor mode. Spoilers. Not really tyrant. Um, He's doing it for their own good. And then, yeah. So I'm interested to see how far that goes. Mm. You know, if he ever, if if like he goes too far on that or pulls back, pulls back or whatever. Um, also, 
Oh yeah, then I've also read stuff with Sezed and like where his character's at with like how he's feeling about religions right now. Mm. Very depressing. <laughs> his whole yeah, his arc is a little depressing. I mean, it gets it gets cool, but it uh, that middle part there is just like, oh, Sezed, I'm so I feel so bad. Yeah, it's. How do you say his name? That's bad. I say Sezed. Sazed. Sazed is probably right. Sazed sounds cool. Or... Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. For once. Oh, thank you. For once, I agree with you. For once. <laughs> uh, this is a Bridge of Two podcast first, ladies and gentlemen. Just yeah, he actually agreed with me on a name. Yeah, on the name. The name pronunciation. It's become a joy in my life to see see his visceral reaction to how I pronounce names. Really? Yeah. Oh, good. Because I'm always afraid, like, oh, am I being too no, annoying brings, about it, correcting him? It brings me immense amounts of joy. <laughs> I just hope that someday you get to meet Brandon Sanderson and say... And I will, to his face, call them... Cause say Jasna. And you know him. what? He won't care. He, you're right. He won't. You're, you're, you're absolutely right. He I will know say, I am. He will say, uh, yeah, however you say it, it's fine. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. he's just, he's a good guy. Exactly. Well, what else have you done since finishing, since starting that? Anything, anything else? Played any good games recently? You said you were, you started Final Fantasy XV. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you for helping me. Um, <laughs> You're welcome. This is what I'm here for. So, I, uh, yeah, Final Fantasy XV. I was just, I do not have the means to play Final Fantasy VII Remake, and Final Fantasy XV is. Did te, didn't Tetsuya Nomura wasn't he involved in Final Fantasy VII Remake? Do you know? I. To be honest, don't remember. Okay. Or do not well, know. Well, he, he makes all the Kingdom Hearts games, and he made Final Fantasy XV. And um, the the combat system is really fun in that. I mm-hmm. like it a lot. And uh, it's just a fun game, really. It's I don't know if it's the best Final Fantasy game ever made, but it's a very playable game. You know, it's just fun yeah. to you know get in the regalia, get in your car, mm-hmm. and have Ignis drive you around mm-hmm. places and... All the little banter that they do in the car, and then you get out and fight some monsters, and I, I love, don't know. I so love fun. the uh, just the the four four dudes, just four dudes traveling. It's, yeah, it's it's honestly great. It's like a road, like the whole game is a road trip, mm-hmm. basically a guy road trip. I I've been debating playing that again off and on for the past like year. Really? Actually, playing Final Fantasy VII Remake wanted me to wanted me. Made me want to go back and replay it. I just haven't. I've been playing much. Obviously, playing other games. When I've I been get the opportunity. I've been debating buying it on the PC because uh, there's. The, I've seen. I don't know if it's still. They still have it, but there's like a really good. There was a really good um, deal for getting the the game and then like all the DLC, because <laughs> there's a bunch of DLC for it, like mm-hmm. where you get to play story missions for each individual mm-hmm. member of the the team. So you get more backstory into that, and that, that's I think that would be very interesting. Could really add a lot to that game because that was as fun as it is, and as 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 cool as the the guys are and everything. There are definitely things about it that leave you wishing there was more, mm-hmm. m- more backstory with things, and even like I was just reminded L- Luna Freya. Uh, it seems like a really cool character mm-hmm. and like the whole game you're basically like one step behind her um, yeah I don't want to necessarily spoil this game for people who would want to play it but um, you know it's just not a very satisfying where that goes with her you know, 
I don't want to really say. I, don't I actually don't remember, so it's been so long since I've played that. Yeah, I never even beat it, say. actually, but it's been so long. I got really close to beating it, but I don't think I ever did. It's, I mean, it, it's, it's a great Something game. came out when I was playing it. Oh, really? Or... Classic. Something might have, I, There was a reason I stopped... I think it might have been when I stopped playing games for a while, because I got busy. Okay. Um, that's why. But um, did you ever watch the... um? movie that did they not. did I, they did like, it was like an anime right? yeah i went and saw that in theaters with uh King's buddy, Glaive or whatever yeah with my buddy ian we saw that, in theaters. I that my, was good. my buddy's a re- uh, ian's a really big final fantasy fan okay. always has been he's the one who got kind of got me more into it um i knew what it was but i never really played it he's my brother did but he's the one who got me into it mm. um so we went and saw it down at disney springs um because that was the only theater they were playing they were playing it at down around here okay oh man that was such a good movie it was really fun to watch too cool and got you hyped but like, that's like one of those things too. I think, um, I, th- I think that's part of the reason why they did stuff like that is because they, they knew that they, there was a lot more. They had a lot more of ideas and stuff. I think about that whole world and the history and stuff that they didn't really Wait, get to do. You yeah. know, Final Fantasy fifteen was originally in Final Fantasy Four. versus thirteen. Yeah, and you know, it so seems like it was going to be connected with the lightning. And games. It, yeah, and it seems yeah. like they're going to take a lot of their some of that ideas, some of their ideas from verse thirteen. And branch into Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, that's what I've heard, and I'm definitely on board with that because that actually that game, Final Fantasy Versus Thirteen, the you remember the trailer where he's the guy he's sitting on the throne. It's got mm-hmm. that amazing like mm-hmm. the the woman singing. It's like amazing music, and then it's him like phasing down the side of a building with all his swords and stuff, mm-hmm. fighting all these. That that uh, trailer for that game, I was just like, this, this looks amazing, and. Uh, then it just kept getting delayed, 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 mm-hmm. delayed. Delayed for like what, ten years or something like that? Honestly? I don't think it was ten years. That was Kingdom Hearts three was was like ten years. But, but that wasn't delayed. That was just them being dancing. Mm, I don't think they delayed it. I thought they were just making different games, like other Kingdom Hearts games. And then the fish well, they did came like maybe. They did, it wasn't like a like. I feel like it was. I feel like maybe it was both. Like, like we was, didn't get a trailer for Kingdom Hearts three like we did for First Thirteen. Right. That's like true. they were like that was announced. But I, Kingdom Hearts three wasn't announced until it was announced. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of like I might like my brain rem- feels like like I feel like I remember that there was he was working on Final Fantasy versus 13 and that that was kind of holding Kingdom Hearts 3 back. I mean, a yeah, bit. definitely. But that doesn't necessarily delay. That's more mm, just yeah, like a, maybe, maybe I don't know. I guess it's semantics. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe one of us is wrong. One of us is right. I mean, it's definitely I'm right. Always. Oh, well, no. <laughs> um, From a certain point of view. Well, are you enjoying it? Is Ellie watching you play it? Yeah, they've been watching me play it, uh, and yeah, they like they were just like sitting, those been like sitting on the couch watching me like get in the car and like, hey, I'm gonna drive. Let's let's go drive somewhere. And like, okay, and so that yeah, they think it's cool seeing me drive around and go and do stuff. And does your wife watch things. you play it at all? Yeah, she does a little bit. She just kind of says it does her own thing. But yeah, she's, she she's really there. does her own thing. But yeah, she's there, present. Steph will occasionally sit on the couch while I'm playing a game, and she's like there. But she's not like watching per se. Mm. Although I've been playing Bloodborne again, and she's starting to get anxiety watching me play it <laughs> because Cause, like things jump out and because it's so hard and I keep losing. So uh. she's getting anxiety, like secondhand anxiety from me. But that you spike the controller. No, I don't get mad. You don't get mad. I mean, I get frustrated, obviously, because you know your normal sense of frustration with that game. But like, uh. I have gotten to the point where I don't get mad at games anymore. I don't. Uh. I try. Uh. I try my best not to let them affect me like yeah. that because that's just. I almost got in Final Fantasy 15. Now, I, I as far as the game fresh, I mean, I don't you get like upset like that playing games, but it what well, what'll happen is just so like for example, I was playing and for some reason all of a sudden the Xbox turned off. 
Now that's and I was like, I don't think I saved it. And I just like went through some really, a really hard fight. And I was like, okay, if I turn this back on and it didn't save it, I'm just, I'm turning this game off. I'm not going to be playing this for a while because I just don't feel like <laughs> going back through that whole thing. And uh, somehow I turned it on and it was, I turned it on. I went back into the game and it just was there. It was still there. It wasn't like, it was, it was as if the Xbox hadn't really turned off. But Weird. The, so yeah, I don't know what was happening there, but um, thank you for Xbox for not wiping my game. Anyway. There you go. But yeah. Anyway, so yeah, so you're, you've been playing Bloodborne, you were saying? Yeah, just periodically. I mean, I just started a couple, like a week ago, um, just playing it. I was doing super good for the first two two bosses. Okay. And then I hit the third boss, and I am stuck. I'm having a hard time. I don't know mm. why. It's not, I used to, I've beaten the game, I've pretty much beaten Bloodborne. I never beat Garen on purpose, because I wanted to continue to screw around and do the DLC when it came out, and then I stopped playing it. So I never actually beat the final boss, but I got to him. Um, so that's not like a game where you can just cheese it? through the bosses some bosses you can i'm sure there are people who do cheese it but i like, uh, i just i'm struggling yeah. with this this particular it's just yeah i don't even remember the name of the, the, the monster or the boss it's some some crazy piece it's got weird flaps and it's got poison and that's the poison's what's getting me because i'll get poison i'll run out of antidotes and then the poison flap no it's not poison flap not his name no, no i don't think so Darn. anyway it's fun though it's fun to play i've been enjoying it okay um I've been trying. I get a little more into the lore of Bloodborne, which has been fun. Is there a lot of blood? There's a lot of blood. <laughs> Is there a lot of born? Born. I mean, birth. <laughs> to an extent. Birth by blood. To an extent. <laughs> Kingdom Hearts. Birth by blood. To an extent, yes. Oh. You actually like eat umbilical cords. Nice. If you if you eat like three one third of an umbilical cord. But where are, where do the umbilical cords come from? Different monsters, I think. Okay. I haven't. I, but if, you, if you eat three, okay. if you eat, they're one, they're in like one thirds, and if you eat, if you eat three of them, then you can actually basically you gain enough insight or something to to understand the great ones, and then you end up fighting a great one. You can end up becoming a, a great, an old great one or whatever by the end of the game. It's just there's I mean, a there's a boss that fights you with his placenta. So if that lets you know what this game's about or how this game hmm. is, it's a very weird game, but it's really cool Blood too. Placenta born. Very. If you know who Lovecraft is, it's Lovecraft is. It's very Harry Potter Lovecraft. No, very HP Love- Lovecraft. H. Oh yeah, there you go. Very Lovecraftian as far as like, great old ones and stuff like that. So it's it's yeah. cool. It's fun. Okay. So I'm playing that. Playing Mass Effect Two still. That's a lot longer of a game than the first one. Mm. You know, or side quest. And I'm I'm only able to get like one. Have you, I can man- manage to get like one side quest in at a time right now. Have I'm you playing. gotten any of your crew back yet? Mm-hmm. You got to that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Garrus. Mm-hmm. Garrus is the best. I'll probably be going to get Talia here pretty soon. I think Garrus is my favorite character in the whole <laughs> game, even more than myself. I also really like Garrus a lot. <laughs> like, I don't know why. Like I like Garrus more than Shepard. <laughs> who's um, who's the other? There's another character I never don't remember ever playing or getting her or whatever playing through the first time. But um, in two, in two, it's the um, the spy lady, or the the stealth lady. I don't I don't remember her name trying to remember but she's i've been so using characters i've been using her as a as a companion a lot like usually with garris she's been very fun to play with okay. um, her story was fun too her her little side quest that you do with her and you say spike lady that's not she's no. not like one of the um people from the cerberus so, yeah she no. wanted the Cerberus. no people. i don't okay. like i don't like you're thinking of miranda and i don't like miranda okay all the human females in this game are annoying mm. they all drive me insane um 
so that's been fun. Just playing that periodically. Not like a lot here and there, but I've been watching. There's an old YouTuber I've watched constant for years now because he used to do Star Wars: The Old Republic stuff. Yeah. When it first came out, or when I first started playing it, so I've been watching him, and I go back to him. I watch. He he's actually been consistently posting videos every day for like seven years, and he has not missed a day. It's actually pretty insane. He plays different RPG. Oh. He plays the games that are like RPGs. Wow. You know, like right now he's actually every playing. Day. Right now he's actually playing through Mass Effect. Okay. And Cyberpunk 2077, and then a few other, you know. Does he, have, does he have a pretty f- big following? Not as much as I feel like he should. No. Uh-huh. But he enjoys it. He's he, what's he, his uh, hand? Um, o- I, OSW Guild. OSW. You look him up on YouTube. He plays RPGs. He plays. He's got full playthroughs of all the Dragon Age games. Okay. He's got a full playthrough of Star Wars: The Old Republic, the Smuggler class story. Chapters, I think, one through four. And then he has, like, a little, like, other thing with, like, all the other classes that he's not, like... It, it is a playthrough of it and it's showing, but it's more just the cutscenes than it is of him actually playing. Because okay. that game is just obviously going, you know. Yeah. But he's played, like, The Witcher. He's played those games. But so I, but I've been going back and watching his Dragon Age Origins video. Okay. Because I've watched it before, but I just enjoy watching him. Yeah. Um, so that's been fun. I like the story of Dragon Age. is so cool. Especially Dragon Age Origins. Um, so that's been fun. But other than that, I mean, I've been... I mean, we're, we're school is insane. It's Back even more school. so than it's even more so than first semester because we're doing cardiology now. Okay. And so doing all getting the electrophysiology and different ions and charges and EKGs and all that good nonsense. So nice. So other than that, yeah, just you know, oh, I'm still playing Knights of the Old Republic on my phone. Okay, the first one. Yeah, I might. Yeah, I'll get the second one once I beat the first. one Are you one. playing Light Side? I am. I'll end up playing, do another playthrough and play Dark Side just to do it. But right now I'm playing I can Light never Side. Do. I can never choose Dark Side stuff. I know, like it's so hard. My brain will be like, or not my brain. I don't know. I say that, but I mean, so I'll be playing a game, you know, like a mainly like that kind of game, like where it's there's, you know, Mass Effect has like Paragon Renegade. Mm-hmm. Re- Mass Effect, I feel like them doing doing Paragon Renegade. It's a little easier to choose Renegade stuff because it's it's more Renegade is more like. Things that could be perceived as mean, but aren't necessarily like evil. Right. It's like this is more re- renegade, but it's it's not like you're going towards the dark side by choosing this option. Yeah. Like instead of swatting you know. his hand away, you're gonna punch the guy in the face. Exactly. Which something that felt right in yes. certain points. Of and that's the game. so usually when I play RPGs like Mass Effect or Dragon Age or Star Wars, I try to have a char- like kind of set up how my character thinks. Uh huh. Go really trying to get into the role playing aspect of it, just because I think it's more fun. Mm-hmm. And so instead of doing like like me where i'm like i'm gonna choose i want to choose the light side stuff all the time because it's i'm you know i think i want to be a good person yeah um i'll think okay in this moment what would my character do yeah it's a little bit harder in mass effect as far as the paragon and Renegade stuff because they they'll they'll have the random things pop up that you hit and i'm like oh running or paragon i'll hit it you mm-hmm. know and i don't hit the renegade ones but like so i try to do it. so i get like my sotor character i'll my star wars over public character i'll i'll think of what he so even like so i play as is like my character i'm playing through it right now i am playing a game uh, playing through it right now that's another thing i've been doing i just beat the first act of the sith warrior storyline oh um, sith yeah of course that is the Should've one game that is the one game where i could play shouldn't i can play dark side playing the jedi knight as dark side is so fun and hilarious <laughs> really um yes but um, Hilarious. but instead of just being like, okay, he's Sith, I'm, I'm gonna pick the dark side every time. Instead, I'm like, okay, well, what's what are what are what are his motivations? Okay, he wants to 
well, he's seeking power for himself and pretty much only himself. So he'll talk like a jerk to his master, and then he'll. But if if he thinks that keeping someone alive will help him in the future, he'll do it. Even though it's a light side choice, he'll do it because it's going to further his goals. Mm. And that's I think it's more fun to play that way, you know. So I try to do that with Mass Effect mm. as well. Yeah. Um, in the games, and I'm trying to do that with Knights of the Republic, but I'm playing my Knights of the Republic character very very light side. Like he's just a good guy, so mm. it's a little bit easier. That's what I've been doing. Schooling, cool. schooling that. Not not much reading right now. I did um, listen to more uh, Galactic Outlaws today. Mm. Um, hey, got, I got only got a, like on the audiobook. I've only got like three hours left. I gotta get back on that. Pretty close. Uh, they were just um, oh, Rex, uh, Tyrus Rex was just uh, met up with the princess. That he had originally saved in okay, that yeah. epilogue. You're so actually, that was you're at the same part I'm at. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. Hi, I did it. I did it. I caught up to you. That's where I. That's where I've been. I haven't I can do listened it. to much anymore. But you got the little backstory of. Yeah, that was yeah. that was cool to kind of get more of that, uh, where that story went after. Because I actually, I don't remember why exactly, but my something told me that I think that General Rex is going to disappear with that princess. <laughs> you know, I don't know why I thought that was going to happen, and basically that's what happened. So. Yeah, I gotta. Yeah. I want to finish it. That's such... I can't wait for you to finish, end it, too. Finish it, and, like... I mean, there are things I'm that... Th- there are sure. things that the book heavily alludes... Like, actually, almost outright alludes to. But I don't know if... I didn't alludes catch... Alludes to I, about, like, where it's going, or about... About certain characters, stuff okay. like that. I didn't catch... For me, though, personally, when I was reading, I actually didn't catch on until I finished the book. But reading... Listen to it again, I'm like, oh, well, this is pretty blatant. There's a straight-up, like, Sith Lord-type character. Oh, it, it, if you haven't realized now that this book is heavily, heavily, oh, yeah, heavily yeah. influenced by Star... Literally, I'm pretty sure the authors are like, this is like, we're two military guys, or one of us military guys, and, and, and it's we love Star Wars. I mean, it's well, unapologetically. You, t- I mean, you told me that, and then when I got to that scene, I was like, oh, this mm. is like one of those scenes where it's just really... Yeah, it, it, this reminded is where... It, me of it, which, but it's, it's cool at the same time, because I know that they're going to have their own explanation for mm-hmm. this character and what, and his abilities and all that stuff, who he is, so... Even though it reminds me a lot of, like the Evil Emperor, it's in it's in in world. I'm sure it'll be he'll be an interesting character, interesting villain. So, you know, what we need to talk to about Wait. real quick before at the edge. We we cut to to our break and get some mead. What? Our D and D campaign. Oh, because it has gone an interesting way that I didn't think it was going to. We didn't get to play for super long this last session, but boy, long was enough. it fun. I mean, you you know it's fun when my wife is being like, no, we don't. We shouldn't stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of things that I kind of got. To, it was it was probably my the most fun I had in in the session so far because so many things that I had been I had prepared mm. started to kind of come, start to come together, and so you know the, you guys woke up to an interesting scene uh, from where you were sleeping. Oh yeah, that's right with the with the. Vermilions, is that what they're called? Yeah, the Vermilion, the, Vermilion the creatures you creatures fought, at the, fought at the end of your last session, when you woke up, there were two more dead, so there were four total dead, and they looked like they had been partially eaten, and there yeah. was, like, evidences of, evidence that there was, like, a fight, and somehow you didn't hear it. And there was, a uh, silver? Was it silver scale? Silver scale. And silver hair, And right? a silver hair. Yeah. Which, I think... 
So that's a fun little. I think thing. that our friend Thrain, the Dragonborn, uh, decided to go munching on some vermilions. I didn't realize it in his sleep. Went feral. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, the first thing we're gonna do next session is look for uh, missing scales. <laughs> um. So yeah, we had that. And then we, we then we uh, we walked a little further, found our direction because we're amazing. Um. And. <laughs> came across just some random tower in the middle of the forest that our friendly neighborhood rogue went and investigated, found nothing, came back. And she went. And then we immediately were like, okay, cool, nothing's there, we'll go. And we all tried to roll stealth, and me and the other half-orc both rolled, like, dog doo-doo. <laughs> and uh, immediately got into combat with three gargoyles that were, like, sea creature-esque. Yeah. Yeah, aquatic. Aquatic. Um, that was a... fun. Those that was actually a pretty fun fight. That was enjoyable to deal with. They didn't hit hard, and but they, you know, but they weren't like easy either. So right. that was a little fun. They had, they had, um, they were resistant to bludgeoning, slashing, and uh, piercing damage. Mm. So every every type of damage, just about you guys were doing, with the exception of our spellcaster, Thrain. The I think sorcerer. My, div- my divine smite did something. And your divine yeah. smite got full. Yeah, it did not get half damage whenever you hit with that. So yeah, but yeah, we destroyed them. That was that was a fun little fight. That actually. was a fun, very fun fight. Destroyed them. Um, and I did want to say it was a nice little aspect too of, of when I think who was it was it when I think it was when Thrain threw fireball or something like that and shattered one of the gargoyles you actually made us all roll dex checks to make sure we didn't get smashed by the debris that's actually a really cool thing to add in there that some people might so i did enjoy that little aspect of it makes Mm -hmm. you think a little bit more about what you're doing maybe don't just explode gargoyles (laughs) and just yeah i I mean it's just the flavor makes it a little bit more Uh, realistic too if you like one of you got hit by the (laughs) that would have been interesting um so then we ended up investing the the tower more ended up finding a way inside um, that was fun. Too. That was fun. Thrain flying la- around with Lavinia. Um, <laughs> is, is her name is Lavinia, right? Yeah, Lavinia. Lavinia on the, his the, back. She's the halfling. Halfling rogue. rogue. Yeah. Um, they, so they were flying around. Um, opened up a door. We went inside, and sure enough, we see um like murals of the um oh gosh mind flares. Mind yeah. Um, what are their other name? Illithids. The illithids, like yeah. like growing, like like with the tadpoles and everything like that, and of course this is pretty fresh on my mind because I'm playing. Was recently playing through uh, the early access of Baldur's Gate three, which is like full born like it's got mind flare straight into in the it. well it starts off with a mind flare. You're on a mind flare ship and they're trying to you have oh, the part wow. the main part of the beginning of the story is spoilers, um which if you played for ten seconds you'd realize. Um, you have an illithid, one of the little mind, the tadpoles in your eye, and your the first part of the story is actually you trying to get the the, the tadpole out before oh. you turn into a illithid. Oh wow! That's so hearing, so seeing these murals was like my. So me as a player was like, oh, I know this is, but as obviously as a character, right. I'm like, I, I don't know what this is. You know. So then we did that. <laughs> went walked down the stairs, found a statue holding a key, and our hasty <laughs> hasty half orc Urbros, other half orc, not me, uh, took the key, and every all lights went out. And we were yes. poisoned, or that was Thrain was fun. poisoned. Um, you, well, you all took damage. Uh, Thrain yeah. was, yeah, you all took damage. Thrain was, like, poisoned state, in the state of, like, mm. uh, um, you guys all took poison damage. Well, I healed him, so. You took the least, because you crit, remember? You're like, I crit. 
Oh, that's right. I did. <laughs> did you even make me take damage? Yeah, yeah, you did. You took half half damage. So you took. Okay. Well, I know I healed Thrain from his poisoning, and then healed him even more because he got lower. Um, yeah. And then the statue is gone. Right. Yeah, the statue is gone. There's a hidden door behind it, and you guys stuck the key in, turned it, and the session we, ended. We ended there because I had to go to bed for work. Yeah. <laughs> But, um, and the lights also went out, and you guys couldn't do any magical light spells. Oh, that's right. We couldn't do any magic spells. Light, only, light as far as we only light. tried the light, but. Yeah. So. Mm. <laughs> that was fun. See what happens there. I'm curious. I'm, I'm excited for the next Hopefully session. Hopefully you guys don't die. <laughs> TPKS, just go for it. We'll all roll new characters. Sometimes, characters. sometimes I have no idea <laughs> what I'm doing. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Me either. <laughs> so we'll see what happens, cause uh, yeah. That's the fun of being a DM. You get to just you're like you want it. To, you don't want it to be. I think the first, um, yeah, like the first encounter we did with the two assassins ended a lot quicker than I thought it would, mm-hmm. and so I was like, ooh, I gotta like make sure there's some challenge here. So yeah. That's that's it for the you know that's. I'm excited right. to see where it's going to It's really I, Bringing the Illithids into it was really cool. Like, I'm excited to see where that's going to go. I, yeah, very, I'm excited. I, that was also very unexpected. I'll tell you that. Really? Much. I did not expect that. To, yeah, because I mean, well, it's, it is a homebrew game, so I you know, I didn't know if you were going to take how much you were going to be taking from D&D lore to uh, an extent. Yeah. Um, and so it was just really cool, you know, especially, like I said, knowing about Illithids and, and right. you know, and to an extent. You know, it was really cool to because there's illithids are one of my favorite creatures in Dungeons and Dragons. They're just super interesting. And they cool. are very interesting, um, especially I mean, just that they're they're basically they're basically a race. Um, the illith the mind flayers are basically a race that is a far future race mm-hmm. that has they became dominant, very dominant in the lore of D and D, very dominant race. And then there was a, um, a big. Uh, I don't know, extinction level event, but they they had some type of slave race, the race that they had enslaved that like rebelled against them. The Githyanki, I think. Yeah, and I think that was a big part of why they um, they they actually time traveled hmm. when they were almost extinct. They time the, the the ones that were left did some big ritual and like time traveled. Um, of course they did. Back into time to try and like hang on, survive, and kind of rebuild from there. So that's sort of they're interesting in that way too because they're like they're from the far future and stuff. That's pretty cool. And like you said, you're on a uh, the end, the beginning of that game. You're on a ship, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Space like mm-hmm. they have a they have a they have um, space mm-hmm. craft. Um, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm excited. Cool. Right. Well, um, you want to take a quick break? We're yeah. ready for the the meat and talk oh, yeah. about some Return of the King. Let's do it. That is the sign that tells you we are back. Sorry if you actually recorded that and that sounded like destroyed a people's ears. UFO like sound. <laughs> I thought we were about to be abducted. Glad we weren't. Maybe we have been. Dun 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 by illithids. <sighs> this is all just like a It's a nightmare. Their minds. Alright, so we've got Old Wayfarer. Mm. An oaked amber mead. Mm. One pint. Describe the the what you see on the front of the can for me. I mean, really, it looks like Jeremiah. Pretty much just Gandalf sitting on a rock. 
pipe. With his pipe and his hat, and I mean, I'm sure it's not Gand. Well, it's Gandalf to me. Old Wayfarer. Yeah. Gandalf was called the Grey Wanderer. To be fair, it could also be very, very reminiscent of a... I don't remember his name, but the guy in... uh, King Arthur? Sword of Shannara. Oh. He had that kind of a hat and smoked pipe? I actually don't think so, so... Well, he had, like, a cloak Let's just call him Gandalf. I mean, it's definitely just Gandalf. Uh, (laughs) So, let's get... let's, Let's drink it. Let's try it. Sure, I'll, I'll open it up and then I'll read it off too. Gently, gently open. I shook, shook it a little bit when I was. Oh, it's not bad. It's shouldn't be that crazy carbonated. It is. I do not know what to expect. Based on an ancient Germanic warrior's drink, Old Wayfarer is the world's first amber craft mead. The world's first. Brewed with a custom blend of amber honeys, German brewer's yeast, and dark natural sugars, Old Wayfarer is then aged on toasted oak, creating complex notes of bourbon, molasses, and spice. There's not a lot of ingredients in it, which is kind of insane. It's good for you. That's what I'm saying. I was always told less than five ingredients. Um, it's yeah. less than five ingredients. I'm going to do a little sniffy. I think I smell like a molasses kind of smell. Smells good. I'm ready to try it? I'm ready. Ooh. It's definitely smooth. It's smooth. Very sweet. Very sweet aftertaste. The, uh, yeah, the aftertaste is the, inter- is the interesting part. Like, there's almost a weird, like, a sensation in my mouth. I know is that, that's the molasses. The sensation in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how, how else to describe it. Hey, this is independent woman owned. That's interesting. Yeah. You ladies own good a good meter. You make you make a good mead. (laughs) You make some good mead. You got my vote. I don't know what I'm voting for, but you got it. Actually, yeah, this is actually really good. I like it a lot. I mean it reminds me a lot of the how smooth the Buckland meat is. Mm -hmm. You know, the Buckland meat has a little that green tea on the back end, and this is I don't this like green really tea, good. and I love that Buckland mead. Yeah. Like, I'm not a tea fan, but that was really good. This is really good, too. The aftertaste is, is a little interesting. It's interesting. It's not bad, but it's just, like, it kind of lingers. Yeah. And I... Um, it's just, yeah, it's just different, but it's... It's... I, I But it's really delicious. It's not a really a bad aftertaste. It's just... Whatever it is, it just kind of hangs out there, and... Um, Would very much recommend. Yeah. Thank you, Gandalf. Thank you, Greenfell. Grownfell. Grownfell. That's what I have. Meadery. Grownfell, Meadery. They're in Vermont. Y'all rock. Killing the game. Aged on White Oak. Thank you, you should, White Oak. You should sponsor us. <laughs> should we, we drink lots of your stuff? <laughs> and we will continue to. We will because I bought a bunch. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm, yeah. Actually, I'm, I'm actually... my. These are good. If they keep ending up being good on my name, periodically buying some just to have them in the house i don't drink often it's like one one here and there they they carry them in not in florida but like in some different states it'd be cool if they started to stock them here i definitely would buy them and tell people to buy them i mean i'll definitely order i'd order some just to have because if i ordered like a pack of i don't know i don't know they come in like what packs of four yeah every when you buy them the minimum is 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 like a pack of four for one you know so, like, even if i bought like a pack of four i mean i can make that last like a couple weeks probably drink yeah. one drink one here there yeah yeah i don't know i might have to do that 
I had to find my favorite Good. one. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Speaking we'll be, of old wayfarers. We'll be, yeah, speaking of old wayfarers, we are picking up with Return of the King, <clears throat> which we've, we, we wanted to, we really want to give the time that Return of the King deserves in terms of the Frodo and Sam's journey and the, the other journeys that kind of wrap up there in that movie because so much happens and so much happens and you know we didn't really get to cover fred and sam in the two towers either yeah we'll probably end up going over most of their journey right so um yeah so we're gonna so this episode is not gonna be frodo and sam we're gonna wrap up with frodo and sam and the end of the movie Mm -hmm. on the next episode uh most likely um but yeah so starting out how'd you feel How'd you feel about Return of the King? I just I love these movies, and I Return of the Are you out of pro the, Return of the King. Out of the three, Return of the King is my favorite. I think you're right. I think and I love too. love Two Towers. I love Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah, and I love the I really love the the Battle of Helm's Deep, but yeah. when it comes down to it, the third one, the payoff, the this yeah. all the payoff in mm-hmm. Return of the King, and it's not. I mean, there is lots of fan service in it, but there's but most of it is not fan service. It's just good payoff for yeah, all the stuff. Yeah, that's just how the story up. goes, too, yeah. to an extent, you know? And very, most of it very, I mean, for, I'd say most of it, almost all of it, very satisfying payoff mm-hmm. for all the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, just a very good uh, closing. But, um, but yeah, so, yeah, I'm definitely pro Return of the King, definitely my favorite. Plus, it's one of the, similar to, and I'll continue to say, like, episode three of Star Wars, like, it, I love movies that make me feel something, and Return, mm. of, Return of the King definitely hits hits home with a lot of the emotions, because it's it's yeah. the ending, you know, and, and it's bringing a lot together, and, you know, and... There's a lot at stake, you know, there's... I was actually thinking about this, there was, um... In... Lord of the Rings, the forces of good, you know, um, the elves, men... I don't know if you can really say the elves are forces of good in this movie. They don't do nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'm trying to think of they do they do more. You they could argue they do some more in the books because our El- Elrond's sons fight with them. Um, mm. I mean, there's Legolas and Legolas. Is... Legolas, of course. Sorry, Legolas. Yeah, we... Legolas is your Legolas cool. is a good you're repre- cool in my book. Good representative for the elves. Um, but they they called it they called it the long defeat. They said that they were, um, um, I'm going to edit down my all of my ums right now because I just wanted to. I refuse to let you. I'm, I'm going to talk important things in between your ums so that you can't edit them out. <laughs> no, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so Aragorn. No, no, no. <laughs> okay. Tolkien had this thing about impossible but noble battles, right? So a battle where you know you can't win, mm-hmm. but you go to that battle anyway because it's the right thing to do because mm-hmm. someone has to show up, someone has to say, no, you're not, just, you're not just taking this victory without, without a fight, basically. Mm-hmm. And so the forces of good have been fighting this long defeat against Sauron for uh, decades, mm-hmm. culminating in the events of Return of the King. And so, yeah, there's, like you said, there is uh, a lot to feel because the the enemy is throwing everything it has at uh, our heroes and everyone can't make it out. 
alive, unfortunately. A lot, most, a lot of them do, in comparison to maybe a lot of more modern, mm. you know, the way authors end their series. But, but definitely some some heavy losses in this one. But so, just picking up where kind of where the story starts for the non-Front of Sam heroes. Start it. We start at the Orthanc. They get to, they get to go and basically have some, basically hold Saruman to account. You know for everything he's done. Yeah, and it's an interesting way how the hand, the movie handles that mm-hmm. situation compared to the books because obviously in the books Saruman right. still lives and he ends up by the end of the the book is is taking over or attacking the Shire, the Shire, and yeah. you have the whole Hobbit army, Hobbit army, and stuff like that right. fighting against them. Whereas in the movie, it's they kind of come to an account here and or think and worm tongue ends up pushing them off right yeah sort of and i mean yeah so the way they so it's kind of it's very it is there's a lot of things that are similar to how it happened how things happen in the book as far as how saruman dies because um in the book grima does jump on saruman's back and stab him yeah just like in the in the movie only he's then, uh, yeah. So yes, Grima kills him in the book. Pretty much kills him in the movie. He does fall off the mm-hmm. tower, and but he was pretty much and dead. um and everything. But yeah, it was basically Grima killed him. Uh, and then in the book, the hobbits, the hobbit archers shoot mm-hmm. Grima. Legolas shoots Grima in uh, the movie. But I like that they, you know, they, they in the theatrical edition, you don't have this scene, which you know is kind of a big gaping hole. Of, like what happened to Saruman and. There's not really any closure there on mm-hmm. that whole character's arc and everything. But here in uh, the extended edition, the mm. ultimate edition. Which is the only way you should watch these movies. Yes, it's the best way to watch them. If you've seen them, if you've only seen the theatrical, theatrical editions, obviously they're still great movies. But well, do, you still, do you still have a service and watch? Yes. I know you, they're, I know they're like long. Them. I know they're long. Yeah, if you like the originals, long. I know they're, the extendants are really long. Yeah. But like, if you have to, like, but like me good. and my wife, that's did, a we, good we, thing. We actually. split it. We split it between two days. Yeah. You know, the li- the length is actually a plus. Mm-hmm. It's a pro. It's it not adds a lot. <laughs> it does add a lot. You have to spend more time in Middle Earth. That's true. Um, but yeah, so you kind you get that. I, I love you know like Theoden getting to just call Saruman on the carpet. You know, mm-hmm. you you. You'll we'll have peace when you answer for the burning of the Westfold and mm. the children that lie dead there. And I'll just basically just laying into him. And then Saruman has a moment of kind of a spurt of anger. He attacks Gandalf, and Gandalf just shrugs it off. The ball of fire envelops him, and he's just he's just fine. And then and then he just breaks Saruman's staff. Saruman, your staff is broken. Um, you know, so that's a fun scene. Oh, that's right. That does happen. Yeah. I don't know why I forgot about that. And that's, that's a scene that kind of alludes to that whole thing of like Gandalf, the white, he's taken over that he's, he supersedes Saruman's authority. But then there's a scene later yeah. on too with, I mean, this is jumping way ahead, but with the witch king, Yes. which is, the, which I will say is one of the few scenes in, in the extended version. It seems almost out of place where it happens yeah i don't know it yeah. just kind of jumps in and then all of a sudden you're jumping to him running you know yeah in the yeah that is a that is a a scene that i don't know why they did it didn't do it the way the book had it it really is don't see any any benefit so in the in the in the book 
when the when the gate of Gondor is broken in mm-hmm. in the movie, it's just trolls just run in, and mm-hmm. Gandalf's like, "Oh, trolls!" You know, but he doesn't say that. He's like, but he's like, he's <laughs> oh, he's trolls. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, he looks startled. He says, "Whatever comes through that gate, you'll stand your ground." And then as soon as the gate opens up and there's all these trolls, he just like he looks, looks really startled. Oh, oh, oh no! Well. I didn't know that was coming through. Okay. Never mind, you guys can run. <laughs> but in the in the book, when the gate is broken, um, uh, the Witch King is standing in the gate, mm. and Gandalf rides up to meet him. So there is a more purposeful reason mm. for that that exchange, and it's kind of a there's not really a clear, it's not really a clear who's the stronger person in that scene in the book. Mm. Gandalf. Uh, rebukes the the witch king and the witch king uh says you fool this is my hour just like he does in the movie you know his sword catches on fire and everything um but then he's distracted by the arrival of the Rohirrim of the Rohirrim but um in the movie it's kind of like you said they're Gandalf's on his way to Faramir I think mm-hmm. to go Pippin has Denethor. just told him Faramir's burning alive and all of a sudden the witch king just like kind of is about to I guess he knocks him off the horse he breaks his staff when Gandalf raises the staff which doesn't happen in the book but is not completely you know it doesn't like take away from the movie it just was no. like an interest like watching it I was like this is it couldn't it's weird it's one of those scenes where like I it doesn't need I it. think they did it because they that 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 encounter was in the book you mm-hmm. know and so they just try to put it somewhere but it, it seems like it would have made more sense to just do it how the book did it but anyway, anyway, back to where we were. Yeah. So well, yeah, the whole thing with, with Saruman happens in Orthanc, and I love Merry and Pippin when they first show up, and they're just like smoking the the yeah the pipes, and they're eating the food, and they're just like welcome to you know yeah. Isengard. Which <laughs> in, in the behind the scenes of that, not that we talk about behind the scenes that much, but in the behind the scenes of that scene, they did like multiple takes where they, they tried different versions of like how stoned are they? Like, oh my you know, like they had a take where they were like super chill and everything. And then they had a take where they were almost like kind of like borderline kind of drunk. Mm-hmm. And I guess they had that take where they were just really relaxed. In between. Get in between. In between yeah. Get in between. Yeah. That's, it was, that's, but, a, that's always such a funny scene when it shows up for me. Yeah. And Gimli's so ticked off. Gimli's Gimli's a gem in this movie. <laughs> His lines are just amazing. Yes, Gimli is great. Very good. But yeah, so they get the Palantir. Mm. Right? Because I think Grima like throws it down at them. It was in Saruman's, at least in the movie. It was oh, in yeah, it falls out of his. It falls his, out of his uh, uh, robes or whatever. His robe. I think in the book it, he throws it down, <laughs> and then Saruman yells at him. But. Um, oh. But yeah, so it rolls out, and Pippin kind of has a little, it's like a little, almost, version of, like, the One Ring Envy, mm. where he's like, he sees it, and he's like, it's just the curiosity of, of Pippin, he's just like, oh, I really gotta check that out. Curiosity killed the Hobbit. Yeah. Or almost. Full of a took. Full of a duke. So, I think, it feels like almost a Gandalf knew that was coming. Gandalf's like, yeah, he's going to try to take this room. Yeah, he should have known. That whole, like, Indiana, If he didn't know, he should have known. The whole Indiana Jones exchange. To get the pot, I know. That's, there's like, such such funny scenes in this movie, perfect, too. Yeah. Where they just do, like, weird scenes like that. Uh, but, yeah, so Pippin. Pippin being a curious, like, getting into things he shouldn't get into, Hobbit, 
is a very important thing for the plot of Lord of the Rings. It really is, though. He he wakes up. He, you know, Pippin like wakes up the Balrog and all the orcs and everything in the mine, mines of Moria. Oh my gosh! And then right. that's why Gandalf basically has to kill the Balrog and die and come back as Gandalf the White. And then, once again, Pippin comes to the rescue. They don't know where they're supposed to go next. They're just like, we we survived Helm's Deep, yay! What do we do? What do we do? And then Pippin's like, I'm really curious about the Palantir. And so he finds out, he manages to not give away any crucial information to Sauron. Except Sauron knows, hey, there's a halfling here, and there's Aragorn here. That's true. Um, so he kind of figures that out, but... They also figure out what Sauron's plan is. That he's going to kind of just unleash against Gondor as soon as possible. And so, <clears throat> again, I was like, well, we know what to do now. So what you're saying is Pippin is the true hero of the story. <laughs> yeah, basically, if Pippin doesn't... <laughs> what, you know, what you're really saying is, if you have a curious mindset, just follow own it. it and follow it. <laughs> and you will end up saving Middle-earth. Yeah, maybe. Who or knows? just this earth, you know. <laughs> Something like that. Anyway, so I just think that's a very interesting thing. It is. I never actually really thought about like, that. Like, that's a very important thing that happens, you know, for the for the plot to move forward. Pippin being a fool of a took. You know, it's a fun little aspect that I never, that I think of, too. The scene with the pl- uh, Palantir yeah. kind of really hi- highlights it, too. Um, Aragorn. Throughout most of the movies, excuse me, he's a badass, you know. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Pretty, I mean, he, he's just kicking butt and taking names. But it really shows, it's interesting, because it really shows his, it, that he's still, you know, almost his humanity a little bit when he takes the pit here. And even he is, like, struggling. Like, he's holding it, he's, like... Yeah. You know, to the point where he even, like, Knocks he even almost, almost, yeah, drops and drops it and everything like that. I don't know, it's just, like, an interesting small little thing, which is, like, you know, Aragorn, sometimes you can see Aragorn as, like, this crazy, amazing superhuman, but it's just, like, he's still... To an extent, I mean, human, sort of. Right. Oh yeah. There's definitely. He's still mortal. He's still got. You know, he's not the. Per, you know, this immortal, perfect being. Yeah. I mean, yeah, a few steps away. <laughs> no, not really. But like one step away. Honestly. But we were talking about this uh, before. An interesting thing about you know how they handled the Palantir scene in the in the movie because in the book. Real quick, that is, the Palantir scene with Aragorn the second time. Is oh, the only oh, oh, oh. is the only real quick is the only other scene and it's a little bit later on in the movie. It's the only other scene that it feels out of place to me, where he just like goes in, goes into the throne and room, does that, and does it. Which once again, that's and that comes back to they probably just, if they did it the way mm-hmm. and I, I'm there. I'm there's there's something you know. I'm sure that there's a reason why it makes more sense to them. But if they did it the way it was in the book, it wouldn't have felt. I mean, like, okay, on, on one hand, it's it's a scene, it's showing Aragorn kind of fully confronting Sauron mm-hmm. and this whole thing, and he's accepting the his role, role. as king, mm-hmm. and he's trying to give Frodo a chance, he's trying to, to distract Sauron and everything. So, like, I understand that aspect of it. Is that, I mean, so, like, for you, it being out of place... I understand the scene. You just understand like the logic of no, it. No, I understand the scene and like what this what the scene represents like that the placement of the scene is out of as out uh-huh. of place for me. Because you kinda of have that moment where like everyone's like, I can give me or show me or something like that, then like it cuts to this scene and all of a sudden it has them in his armor. It, it cuts to the scene that like you have him like confronting oh, it, you. but like it still isn't like even then he's still left off with Aragorn 
having to drop the pill anterior and almost kind of like having to run away from it, it and then yeah. it cuts to him in armor riding towards right. the black gate it's it just feels like, like there's a lot missing there yeah it's like what, well there should be I feel like there should be more it's just like one of the scenes right. this one is definitely one of the scenes where like I understand why it was cut it's like was he successful version. or did mm-hmm. he lose in that situation yeah I mean I think they're definitely trying to create more suspense of the whole thing with Arwen that he's like what does that mean you mm-hmm. know what he's really what Sauron really is doing and what he does with when Pippin touches the planter, what he does when he shows Aragorn the vision of Sar- of, of Arwen, um, like dead or whatever, and even what he was—it's not—it's re- not mentioned in the movies, but they also didn't exclude it in the movies. So I headcanon it, not headcanon it because it's in the books, but it's canon. Movie headcanon that Denethor was looking at a planter that was in the mm-hmm. books. He was looking at a planter. And he was, that's part of the reason he was going kind of crazy is because he was, he has, Sauron is just showing him, this is what I'm going to do. And he's seeing it as, this is the future. Mm -hmm. This is like a set future. We cannot escape this. And so what the characters may not realize, what they're seeing is Sauron's, Sauron, you know, seeing what his plans are. Mm. It's not necessarily what's set in motion. Uh, not set in motion, set in pl- in place concretely. Um, so they they're trying to sh- you know show that there's like make Aragorn kind of worried about that. But if you go back to the way the book does it, in the book, when Pippin touches the plant ear, Aragorn takes it. Later on, he takes it and he decides, I'm going to take this plant ear back hmm. under the control of the kings of Gondor because. Lore-wise, that is who they, they belong to. Mm-hmm. They're from. They were given to the Numenorians, who Aragorn's like ancient family, mm-hmm. and they belong to him. And there's actually, I won't read the quote, but there's a quote from the book where Aragorn tells the, everybody that he looked into the stone, and Gimli freaks out. He's like, "Well, what? You looked into the stone? Gandalf was afraid to do that." And Aragorn says, basically, says, uh, "What do you think?" Uh, like. I, I'm actually the rightful owner by mm-hmm. lineage of the plantier. I have the right and the strength mm-hmm. um, to do it. And only he said, or or I supposed I had the I had the right, but I just barely had the strength. So he Aragorn in the book barely has the strength to decouple the plantier from Sauron so that he can actually use it however he wants. Mm-hmm. And he uses it to see. To challenge Sauron, so Sauron will move more hastily before he's ready. Mm-hmm. He wants him to kind of attack and throw all his forces when he's maybe not ready to show his hand, and he wants to get also wants to see what else is Sauron got cooked up, and that's how they find out about the ships that are coming, and they find out about these other forces that are coming that will overwhelm the forces at mm. Pelennor. So all that gets found out there. So if they do that, maybe that scene doesn't feel so out of place. Yeah, you know. But once again, uh, you know, they're I think they're trying to like, even though Aragorn, I think in the movies he's his most book self. He's mm-hmm. very like assured of himself even more, yeah. and he's very accepted his role, and he's got the sword, gets the sword from Elrond and everything. Um. So, he's very book Aragorn for most of the movie, but I think they were trying to still give him, make him a little bit, have a little bit of doubt. A yeah. Bit. Yeah, you know, not fully sure about himself for to build the suspense and everything, but yeah. 
But so that's an interesting, you know, kind of going forward with Aragorn's journey. Um, then you have, in comparison almost to, to Aragorn, you have Denethor. Yeah. Who just makes me want to just throw a rock at him. He eats a tomato <laughs> in the most offensive way possible. I know. That scene, every time <laughs> I look at it, and not only that, but like the scene, it really makes you think too, just like, it shows, it really shows, like, once again, in comparison between Den- Denethor and Aragorn, it really shows the difference between a leader. Yeah. And what a leader really is. Because you have Aragorn, who has fought, just fought in the Helm's Deep. He is still riding with the Rohirrim. Yeah. And he is like, I will, you know, I'm going to defend these people. I'm going to do what I can. I'm going to fight for, for Middle-earth and for Gondor and for the Rohirrim, for all these people. And then you have Denethor, who's telling his son, you let my you let the city fall, go back there and go take it, even though I know, even though we all know it's a death. Warmer would have been better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then as as they're all riding to go get slaughtered, because it's obviously, he's eating, I mean, he's eating food with it, Pippin singing. He kind of, you know, when I, you think about it, he's kind of, uh, he's kind of panic eating. <laughs> Almost makes you wonder if in that scene, is he, is he kind of. Mm, I never saw it as panic eating. No. I saw him as, I saw it as indulgent eating. Yeah. But that's also just how I see Denethor as. Well, that's, I mean, that's just a weird thing for how, you know, he freaks out so much when Faramir is like borderline dead. He's like, <gasps> my land has ended. I know. It's just like, you just sent him. You're the one who sent him, you idiot. <laughs> Denethor irritates yeah. me so much. And, He's, you know, I think they convey, they convey enough about him in the movie. He's, he's not, he's a more cunning He's more cunning mm-hmm. in the books in how he talks and everything, but at the same time, he is straight up. He does go straight up crazy in the it's, books, just it, the like he does in the movie. Yeah, it just it's, uh, Denethor and Faramir is, Faramir is such a good character, mm-hmm. and he just he tries his hardest, and like it breaks my heart every time where he's like talking to him, and he's just like you, you know, you, you would wish you would have been me and not Boromir, right. and Boromir. And he's just like, yeah, and you just see like, well, I hope I can basically hope I can do my best and yeah, well, show yeah, you Faramir. Whatever. He wastes Faramir, you know, oh, he yeah. wastes Faramir because Faramir he may not be the tactician or like the the greatest warrior like Boromir was, but Faramir is, is actually a very good, would be like a very good ruler and leader. Well, I think Faramir shows that with, and like going back to the two towers with him sending Frodo off with the ring and him telling his, telling Denethor like, and I do it again. Right. You know, I sent the ring off and I would do it again because that's the right thing to do. You know, that is him showing that he's a, that's that he's being a leader there. Right. He Which is making the right decision, a tough decision, but the right one. Yeah. And a tough one. Which, you know, there's a gripe with his character in the movies that because he had a moment of temptation with Frodo, whereas in the books he never did. He it was kind of an ambiguous thing. He was like you weren't really sure what his intentions were, and then he basically says, "You know, I'm not going to take the ring." He had, he didn't really seem to have a have a temptation to it. But I like the temptation. I think the temptation right. is it's very human. Human, it is. You know, and, and he it show, still it shows... he still did not did get not, into yes, it exactly. And so that's where it... that's where I come back to. Like, even though yes, he didn't have any temptation really in the book. He, it, you see a struggle in the movie. And you see him overcome that struggle. It almost hits harder you when know. you see a struggle. Right. When you see that struggle. I mean, same with like Aragorn in, in Fellowship of the Ring, where he has that slight, in the movie, the slight bit of struggle of, right. of like, you like I, I could take this ring. And then he closes it around Frodo, says, right. go Frodo, you know, because he knows what would happen if he took it. You know, it's 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 almost better to see the struggle because it's just like, they're, it's showing them overcoming this obstacle. Yeah. And that's I think it's important for character development. The character yeah. needs to be able to overcome something. Well, and it's showing that the ring, nobody is beyond the rings. Mm-hmm. 
power, you know. And we'll, um, we'll get, in, get into that a little bit more when we talk about Frodo and Sam, yes. because that's a very, very important part of the story, I think. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, no, very, very much. Um, but yeah, Faramir is a great character. And and the, the yeah, Denethor versus Aragorn, Denethor versus Faramir, you know, they're... Denethor versus Gandalf. Denethor versus Gandalf, oh my word. Gandalf in this movie, I wrote down... Gandalf is when once Gandalf gets to Minas Tirith, he's disgusted for the rest of the movie. Just about like he's <laughs> I, always disgusted. I love it. I love the pettiness too, to an extent. It's just like yeah. I love the scene. I love the scene where where, where Pippin runs his freaking mouth and just like I pledge my allegiance to you. Yeah, blah, Gandalf's blah, blah, blah. like don't say like, anything at all, and then he's like the one immediately thing pledges I told his allegiance to Denethor, and he's just Instead, like whacks him with his staff. He's like you idiot, basically. <laughs> Yeah, like, you know, Gandalf is just com- just totally, like, commanding everyone around, uh, which, you know, he's doing... Gan- Gandalf is like... I don't even know what to... Gandalf is like, the, he's he, like, I have worked too hard, too long, I've died too many times to just let Minas Tirith just fall because Denethor is going crazy. Gandalf also you does know? a good job of showing true leadership in, in this movie, too, especially when it comes to the Battle of Minas Tirith, you know, with him... Standing right there with the soldiers fighting, I mean, down right. by the gate, fighting the trolls and then fighting the orcs as they come in, you know, and and keeping, sh- helping to keep morale up, you know, fight, fight to the last, you know, yeah. whatever goes through, the, comes through these walls. Very important. Very important. You know, he had a, uh, here's a little, like, quick side back, th- back story, uh, not backstory, but lore thing on Gandalf. You know how there's the three rings of power that were given to the elves? Mm-hmm. So... Galadriel has one. Mm-hmm. Elrond has one. Mm-hmm. Gandalf has one. Really? You know that? I didn't know that. Gandalf has the Ring of Fire. Why does he have it? Uh, the elf that watches over the Grey Havens gave it to him. Huh. He was like, "You, this, you'll put this to better use than me." Um, hmm. So Gandalf has one. Gandalf has one of the Elven Rings of Power, and that ring. <clears throat> one of the things it did, it, it was, it was good at doing was kindling the hearts of men to courage and so that was something he was very well known for is is encouraging uh giving people courage and interesting and so very crucial for gandalf to be where he was where he's at in minas tirith you know keeping people from keeping the morale from just utterly shattering you know booming voice and everything another thing too the thing that's interesting about gandalf in this movie and in the books is we've talked about Gandalf and his, you know, next level kind of planning mm-hmm. and thinking about big level He's playing stuff. like 7D chess. <laughs> exactly. We're playing 1D chess. <laughs> 7D chess. He's like the scene in Kingdom Hearts where, where uh, in Kingdom Hearts 3, the trailer, where, or in the in the game too, where... where uh, the cutscene where it's like... Xehanort, little Xehanort and uh, Ericus are playing yeah. the, the chess. It's like at like 17, like different, three different like, levels. levels. That's, that's, yeah. that's Gandalf, but he's even playing past that exactly and he's barely winning he's not I mean, he's not even, he's like playing the stalemate half the time because mm-hmm. sauron is so high above it too but um yeah that's just that's, that scene is just yeah, sauron, sauron and gandalf. gandalf playing but so with gandalf it would seem at times gandalf just knows the right thing to do right thing to say right place to be one thing that gandalf says in the book whenever pippin comes and finds him and mm-hmm. tells him that Denethor's burning Faramir alive. Mm-hmm. Gandalf is kind of uh, just overwhelmed with the decision of what to do because he is about to go down to help with the battle in the 
Pelmore mm. Fields with the with the Witch King down there, and then he has to decide: Am I going to let Faramir die, or am I going to go help out on the battlefield? And he literally says something to the effect that like this decision will cost lives. Mm. Like people will die that would not have died based off my decision. And he decides I'm going to go save Faramir. And I, I think, well, I wonder if Gandalf doesn't go down there, does Theoden die? You know, maybe Theoden doesn't die. I'm trying to think. I think oh, gosh, he's he's the big, he's the big death in this one. We can go hit that scene real quick too, because that's a good, that, that whole scene, that whole little section of scene is so good with, Theoden getting knocked down his death. and then his death and then you have the Witch King coming and the the Nazgul going to go eat uh, you know and then you have Eowyn jump in front yeah. just being like you will not touch him well let's uh, you, back up a little bit so refuse I refuse <laughs> just just talk about Eowyn's like her her journey in this movie mm, um, I like her journey a lot in this movie she if you want to know how to make a good strong female character yeah Eowyn is a good example noted I just think yeah, she, no, she's such a good she character she's, a character. she's just such a good character like she they wrote her, wrote her so well she's such a strong independent character that is that you know does what she feels convicted to do and it isn't like what it isn't like super overpowered you know right well she is a female character um and that is you know a very important part of her character and her story but more importantly she's just a character which i think is so, so great like they, they didn't just right. go out that's what, she's yeah. a female she's exactly. just a character that's, that's, that's what's what so was, great about it and that exactly that's where i was going with that is that she she's not a they're not writing a character that could be a man if you just change the name but at the same time they're not making the core part of her story that a female she's just a female she's just a great character mm -hmm. and she has a very important role to play uh, but the thing the, the interesting with her whole character progression is when whenever Aragorn realizes he has to break away and she basically kind of settles for she goes full, full, full out and says she makes her play, you know, for for Aragorn, you know, and Aragorn has to has to polite, politely, uh, <laughs> politely decline and put her in the friend zone. Um, oof, big oof! I'd be upset if Aragorn friended me. <laughs> I think um, he already has my friend. Shut up. <laughs> well, yeah, a man can dream you candy. Not, you may not even be in the friend zone. A man can dream candy? <laughs> no. <laughs> actually. <laughs> um, but so where she's at with that at that point, I, 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 there was as, an aspect of Aragorn. I think it talks about this in the, uh, in the, in the books too, that her infatuation with him or attraction to him, a lot of it was she, what she wanted it was almost like vicarious, somewhat vicarious living. You know, he was this mighty man, uh, mighty uh, fighter, you know, lineage, mm -hmm. storied lineage. You know, she wanted renown. Not not renown in a prideful way. Yeah. She wanted to, to, to do something noble. Mm -hmm. She wanted to, you know, like, like, like lots of characters, male characters in stories that they want to do something to save save people help mm -hmm. people they love absolutely and all that sort of thing they want to know their life means something you know and that's really kind of where she is and 
And I think she sees Aragorn as a chance to have that meaning, knowing that she has a place and a role and a purpose in her life that's going to keep her from doing that Mm -hmm. herself. And then when Aragorn basically shuts her down, she loses all hope of, of, of getting anywhere near that. And so she becomes very um, just hopeless, a hopeless person. And in that hopelessness, she... I don't think the movie portrays this as well as, as the book does. Um, and even though like I love her character in the movie and Miranda Otto did a great job portraying her, how she's written and everything... In the book, she's seeking a she's seeking death. She's seeking a noble death on the battlefield of Pelennor Fields because she just feels like she's seen as useless to to everyone, hmm. uh, and that she and, and and doubted that she can ever do anything noble. I don't and I and I'm not fully articulating it how well the book describes it and explains it, but it's you know that's a big part of it. Mm-hmm. So when she gets to, I think part of her the strength of her fighting in that scene is because she is not afraid of death. She's mm-hmm. not afraid of dying. She just, I'm going to save Theoden, uh, and I'm just here to leave it all out here, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah. So that, sorry to roll it back that far, but she's a, you know, her character, her, her, the, her like journey is very important, I think in this movie. And she gets, does not get what she wants in a way. She saves Theoden, you know, but she doesn't, well, doesn't die. <laughs> right, she doesn't save with right. quotation marks. <laughs> yeah, saves him from a, from such a sad scene. A though. meal. I know your face. Yes. Yeah. Ugh. Mary helping out too with I'm the stab in the leg. Him. At least in the movie, the stab in the leg. Yeah, Ugh. that's an aspect of that whole like no living man can kill. Like Mary, Mary's a hobbit, you know. Mm-hmm. So there is an aspect of, and as she very much pointed out, I am no man. Yeah, yeah. Did you say I have no man? I am no man. Because that's true too. At that point, <laughs> <laughs> I will say that scene. That scene in particular makes me laugh. It shouldn't, but it makes me laugh because she goes, she takes off the helm and goes, "It's I am no man," and then goes, "Ah!" And then the stab. It's just it's such a funny scene to me, and I, it shouldn't be, but it really is. <laughs> a little, little, a little overly, a little dramatic. overdone. Yeah. You know, um, great scene, but a little overly done. Yeah. Um, um, but, but she, the, the ring, the, the, the witch king doesn't know what hit him. I, I love when I read that scene in the book for the first time, when she decapitates the, 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 the fell beast, mm-hmm. that just blew my mind in the book. Mm-hmm. I was just like, oh my word. She just, she cut the thing's head off, you know? Oh, so um, so, you know, good for her. <laughs> and then you have Elmer. Um, that's something that's in the extended. It's not in the theatrical. Elmore losing his mind yes. when he finds her out in the battlefield. Yes, that hits me on a visceral level. Um, I don't remember brother, that. I don't remember that until watching just this one. But like, yeah, like just as a brother, you know, just man, like the 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 most, you know, he says earlier in the movie talks about the horror of war and just it, it's if 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 he's out there, if the, if Mary was there, he would run. He'd be right to do so. It's it's you know not a place for you know, for hobbits or women or whatever. Which says, real quick says a lot about Mary because he didn't, he actually didn't crawled, run. crawled Absolutely towards the, yeah. the, the witch king of the right. craziest of them all and stabbed him in the leg, you yep. know, shows yeah. the courage of hobbits. Definitely. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, that is a very visceral scene though of him just grabbing her and just screaming. I mean, even, crying. you know, even like, you know, someone surviving that, 
Um, there's some part of, you know, there's a part of that. There's a tragedy in just in a, like a more, you know, it's an older, it's kind of a more older notion of um, chivalry, mm. you know, of protecting women and children and um, fighting so that they don't have to. And mm. that whenever it comes to that point where you have your sisters and your daughters on the battlefield, you know, that that's a very mm. tragic, hard thing. You know, I, I don't know. I think there's something there that's, I think, true. Yeah, I mean, yeah. from there, I mean, we're, we're missing a bit, you know, obviously the Army of the Dead. Um, yeah. Which, I mean, we could probably get into another time, but, like, really, you know, you get... You just... Real quick, at first, I, this needs to be mentioned because we're talking about the Battle of the Field, uh, whatever it's called. Um, I, I was, t- I was t- telling Stephanie yesterday, the scene with the Oliphant and Legolas is literally just a D&D character who just rolled na- a bunch of nat 20s. I like, yeah, I just kept rolling. He was kept like, it's like, you know, it's like a DM's like, okay, you have a giant Oliphant in front of you. The elf is just like, okay, I want to do an athletics check to climb up it. Uh, I rolled a nat 20. Uh, okay, you climb, climb up, the, up it. The arrows that are in it. Yeah, it's like, okay, um, I want to attack the Oliphant. Okay, roll an attack roll. I crit. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's just like, literally just like... <laughs> Somehow your arrows pierce the back of the ears or whatever however that go through the skull of the um, olifant and destroy r- roll it. to see if you roll an athletics check to see if you take any damage and when it falls uh, another i, I crit <laughs> again <laughs> uh you surf off the trunk <laughs> <laughs> literally it's just like and then you have given it still counts as one it counts as one yeah <laughs> oh, i love it but yeah so then you 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 know you get all that and then and then eventually you get we'll kind of come to a close here as we get ready for the next episode where we have you now you now have the the army the, which is really cool too the armies of gondor and the armies of rohan Ro, Ro, the rohirrim intermixed together mm-hmm. walking to the black gate as a, and they they know they're going there and they pretty much know this is we're doing right. this as, as a distraction because this is our last hope to get frodo to the to the volcano or to the basically it's basically like in poker like they're going all in mm-hmm. um with a hand that they have, the hand that they have, they really don't know. Like there's like another card in the table. They don't know what it is. They don't know what's going on with Frodo. And that does, you I gotta know. say that, you know, think about it now, that takes, I mean, there's a lot of faith shown in this movie um, mm. that things are going to work out the way that they need, they need to, you know, trusting that Frodo is still there. I mean, obviously they heard to him, like, they, like Gandalf heard from Faramir that, you know, he saw Frodo, what, three days ago, three days past. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. But then even then to have, you know, that little scene with, with the Mouth of Sauron in the, in the extended right. edition where he brings out the, the mythical armor and throws it. Throws into, it. Yeah, that, that, that hits um, so hard. And But then Aragorn's still just like, cuts, cuts his head his off, off and it's yeah. like and then goes back and like, we're fighting. Yeah, I, um, I refuse to believe it. I cannot believe it. Speaking of, and we'll get into this with Frodo, but I got to bring it up now. Um, Stephanie mentioned it to me, actually, my wife. I'd never really realized it before. Frodo is still wearing the mythical armor. When Shelob pierces him in the abdomen, right? Mithril armor is supposed to be like indestructible, is it not? How did she pierce him? I think it's supposed to have hit him in the neck. I know. I think that it's the movie does it pretty poorly. I think yeah. I think the where where it looks like it hits him, uh, it looks like it hits him in the abdomen. I don't think it actually does. It definitely in the movie, it, it it's almost impossible to not see. It looks like it hits him in the chest of the abdomen. Yeah, I will say that because I told her I was like, well, it just hits him in the back of the neck, you know. So I okay, yeah, I think I it hit him in like the neck or something. But yeah, I'm sure the just... books are a little different. They're, I'm sure it doesn't even really mention the books, but 
right where, where, it's like where it hit him. But like I don't know, it's just one of those things. The other thing that then you know that always every time I watch the Return of the King gets me is you have the especially in the extended edition because I've seen I have seen the extended edition before. Is you have Aragorn and all them the riding horses and they ride up oh. to go talk to them about the Sauron yeah. and they come back and all of a sudden it cuts to like Frodo and then it comes back and they are no longer have horses. They don't have horses and anymore. I'm like, where did their horses go? Yeah. <laughs> Which sent the horses away. In my head, Ken is just oh they didn't want the horses to die so they sent them <laughs> back. You know they're like this is yeah. a this is a suicide mission so go back. You yeah. know. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, no, that um, that's a good point. And there's, I think there's some. I think there was like reshoots and stuff, and they did different things with that scene. They actually, at one point, they were gonna like, they're gonna have Sauron like reappear. Um, Sauron was gonna take like physical form in that fight. You oh. know, the big troll that's Aragorn's fighting. That he was mean? fighting Sauron. They like superimposed it. Which, that's that's actually really cool. Um, but speaking of. I love the fight. I love Aragorn going toe to toe with a troll and just yes. like blocking his swing. It really shows the strength of Aragorn in yeah. that moment of just like this troll coming down and swinging. And just, Aragorn's yeah. just like, Whoa! I love, um, yeah, I know. I, there's like a meme about them saying, um, when he says for Frodo and it's like Sam's like, Am I a joke to you? But, <laughs> <laughs> but I do love that scene, that line. It's very powerful um, where. He looks back at them. It's 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 like this. You know, Sauron's eye is right on him, uh, whispering his name, and the armies have completely surrounded them. And Aragorn just looks around, looks back, and just says for Frodo, and just charges them. Also, his speech you know. to the army beforehand. Oh yeah, beautiful. one of the best speeches in any movie. Yeah, very good. But then also, um, the, the the meme I sent you the other day on Instagram with. Gimli going, I never thought I'd die that beside oh. an elf. And then Nicholas goes, Well, it's not. Well, it's not. You're right. And then we walk off. But yeah. that scene, too, is also great. It's just like, you know, I never thought I'd die side by side with an elf. And Legolas just like, How about side by side with a friend? And there's that like, scene. Oh. And there's that scene, too. Like, once again, the, the long defeat that they are going to that fight believing. And oh, no, I, I got to mention, I'm so glad I didn't forget it. There's a scene, and this goes along with this, 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 this scene because it's the same scenario. There's a scene uh, whenever Aragorn and Legolas and Gimli go to the Pass of the Dead, and mm-hmm. the, the men of Rohan see it, and they're like, oh, well, Aragorn doesn't even think we have a chance. What are we doing? And uh, they turn around to, to, to Theoden, their king, and say, we don't have enough soldiers to defeat the armies of Mordor. And Theoden looks back on him and says, no, we don't. Right, but we will meet them in battle nonetheless. And that's that whole concept of a noble a noble defeat, you know, that going into a battle, you don't believe you're going to win it and you go into it anyway, because it is the right thing to do. Which, which once again, and and I say this a lot, but it it shows another great leader, someone who is one going to stand by his soldiers, but also isn't going to lie to them. He's like, you're right. We don't have enough soldiers. Yeah. But we're going to fight that. We're going to meet them. I'm not going to lie to you about what's happening here. I'm going to be honest, but we're still going to meet them and you're still going to follow me because I'm your king and I'm going to be with you. He's like, what else are you going to do? You're going to go hide and and from, you know, the armies of mortar take over and you're just going to hide in a corner. I mean, no, you don't, you don't do that when evil is going to completely Mm -hmm. overrun the world. You don't just hide in a hole. Mm -hmm. And, um, even, and even with that knowledge, I don't, I still don't think those characters lost hope um Mm. there's a quote aragorn says something in the book about despair that despair believes that it sees the end beyond all doubt Mm. despair is like 
I know the future. I know with, for a fact what the future is. As long as you don't know for a fact what the future is, there's no point in despairing. Mm. There, there can always be hope. Mm. And you know, it's counterintuitive. It's counterintuitive when you don't know without a doubt Mm. what the future holds to despair yeah because it will actually undermine you know your chances of turning things around or whatever situation you're in so you know there can always be hope whenever there's whenever there's people that are willing to you know go into hopeless situations and still you know try to to get victory there's still there's still hope you know Mm. and then you have that last scene We'll, we'll end it here and I love this scene so much and I don't you know I just love that they added in is you know, you have that scene where Aragorn turns around you know you can see he's he's got tears in his eyes you know mm-hmm. and he's hearing the whispers and he says for Frodo and he starts running mm-hmm. the first two people to join <laughs> yeah. him are Merry and Pippin Which and I love yeah. that I, I, I love that so much they are the first to be like yes let's go yeah, I know they and they see exactly what they're going into they're like yeah. we're going you know, these two hobbits that when they were, they weren't even initially supposed to be on this journey. They just happened right. to run into Frodo and Sam as they were leaving with the carrots and stuff like that. And they got thrust into it. You know, right. now these people were like first in line right behind the king to go fight this unwinnable battle, mm. you know. And then they quickly get overtaken. Like, you know, yeah, that? that's also really they, funny. <laughs> they're like, they dart, they, they go as fast as their little hobbit legs can carry them. And they're quickly like passed by. by yeah, which else. is also just, that just makes it really funny. But, but uh, and then, great, yeah. so look forward to finishing out the rest of return of the king as well as you know talking about frodo's story and we'll all be able to hear about my favorite scene in all three of the movies because it's at the end of the movie teaser little teaser so look forward to that and we'll find out what happens you know do our heroes succeed or do Do, they fail do they or do they fail or both find out here they succeed and fail oh do they successfully fail (laughs) <laughs> or fail successfully find out on the next episode <laughs> well <laughs> of bridge of two <laughs> <laughs> you said find out on the next episode i did i did i like led into it but i kind of half-heartedly did let's close it out again all right so find out next time on the bridge of two podcast bridge of two podcast a far, far away bridge. A far, far crap walk. <laughs> every episode. Every episode. A far, far away bridge. I'll just cut it. Go. Keep this in, but cut it. We're done. Go. <laughs> Morse code. Oh my god. I have a secret message hidden in all the episodes. For anybody all every all code. that's all the tapping is your are you signaling for help like help josh no no, no. Has, it's just it's just a secret code that they have to decipher and figure josh out josh has kidnapped me he's making me do these podcasts <laughs> i mean yes but he's threatening that is my that life. is the secret code or message yeah well now <laughs> now i've given it away we have to move again No one knows. Well, I guess they sort of know where we live. They know what city we live in. Actually, well, they know what city you live in. Oh, did I say that? We've only said. Or is that even correct? That's where you think you you are Ooh, right that's now. That's true. You're mm. in a bunker. How would you know? Fair enough. Fair enough. Bunker with Wi-Fi. We're in Ireland, I guess.